Welcome to the Cashflow Guys Podcast. That's right, boys and girls. You know what time it is. You should know where you are. This is Tyler Chef, and I am the co-host of the Cashflow Guys Podcast. That's right. Mike is back with us this week. We're actually going to get an episode out on time. And of course, Mike, I can't blame you for last week after seven years. I should know what the hell I'm doing, right? Oh, everybody, he was crying. Yeah, I was not happy. I was just, <laughs> I was insane. really not. We, we were on a Zoom session together, actually. We were having a company meeting when it hit me. Holy patoli, we don't have an episode. Oh, my God. I, that's what, see, Mike has inspired me to get off my butt and actually batch because Mike is a contingency guy, right? You know, you're good with your lists and whatnot. You keep me in check. We're a good balance. So we, we batched our episodes. We actually recorded it in advance instead of, you know, Thursday at seven o'clock at night before it's supposed to go out. And the good news about batching is, is that I didn't have anything to do for a couple of weeks as far as podcasting goes. The bad news is I didn't realize that I was out of episodes because I was so busy not paying attention, <laughs> being in Seattle and whatnot. Ugh, anyway, how are you doing today, Mike? Life's good. I'm uh, out in Las Vegas. Life's Las Vegas. It seems like every time we talk to you on the show lately, you're either in Vegas or New Jersey. I think you're moonlighting for the mob. I mean, you're, you are Italian, so is that a thing? Is that possible? <laughs> yeah, I guess it could look that way, couldn't it? Can I start calling you Jimmy yeah. sometimes? I go to like mob headquarters east, mob headquarters west. Next time <laughs> I see you, I want to see you in a, in a zoot suit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. You know what? Do it. <laughs> yeah, I know. And Janelle will be dressed like a flapper. And, and you know, <laughs> oh, she was. She I could teach that. you how to swing dance. You know, I used to swing dance all the time years ago. I th- Many things you don't know about. I tell people that Tyler. nobody can believe that that you were a swing dancer. That's just because I'm I just, fat. I wasn't as fat as I am now. <laughs> that's not why. <laughs> now I'm fat and got bad knees. I don't move like I used to. But yeah, I used to be. So those of you listening, folks at home, I used to teach country dance, and then uh, I did that for years back when I was in my 20s, which was a long time ago. I'm 52 now. Uh, and I, but I also used to swing dance probably when I was in my late 30s. I would say late 30s. It was before Jill. When did I meet Jill? Long time ago, 15 years ago, goodness, 16 years ago, something like that. Anyway, I digress. Let's get started with this episode. What do you say? Yeah, let's talk real estate. All right. So this episode kind of came to us out of the left field. We were both, Mike and I tend to listen to, we follow a lot of the same influencers. He's got his, I have mine, but we do share a common interest in several different influencers. I'll call them for lack of a better term. I know to some that's derogatory, but this by no means is derogatory because we have a huge amount of respect for the gentleman we're going to be talking about his most recent video. I've met his name is Ken McElroy. If you haven't met him, you or you don't know who he is, you need to figure out who he is because he's a definitely a mover and a shaker. Somebody I look up to. Um, I consider him a quasi mentor of mine. Uh, met him a couple times, went to a couple conferences with him, had lunch with him one time. Great guy. I mean, super, super guy, very down to earth, very, very experienced author of several books. Don't get excited. He's actually not on the episode. We're not having him as a guest yet, but I do. That is on my bucket list to get Ken on the show. I'd love to talk to Ken and Mike, we should do that. Let's get Ken on the we show. Should, we should. Yeah. When Jill hears about this, she's going to keep us on track to find him. Exactly. Yeah. Man, we'll only task her with that job. But um, <laughs> he did a video recently. It's called uh, Real Estate 2023 pencils down bro and this just released as of this uh this past week it's a great video and i watch every video ken puts out but this one left me a little i don't know what the word i'm looking for but i feel like we need to add some context to this some color to this that didn't necessarily come through in the video and and first before we even go any further this episode let me say i have the utmost respect for ken mcelroy and everything that he teaches and i'm a big believer in what he teaches but i think that i would like to address the topics specific topics he brings up in this video because 
I believe that some folks may take it out of context and I don't want people to get lost in that. I do agree with everything that he's talking about in here, but understand that I, I am an economics nerd. I spend a lot of time, Mike, I know you spend a lot of time studying economics, studying the economy. You love numbers. I love numbers. You love spreadsheets more than me, but I still love the numbers. And I like, and more importantly, I, I like to know about the psychology of what, how psychology impacts the investment space, whether it be real estate, stocks, crypto, whatever it may be. So I think that someone could get potentially watch this video and go completely off the rails. And I want to take a chance to distill this down. I think between the two of us, Mike, we'll go through this episode, we'll play clips, talk about it, but I don't want you guys to take away from this that this is anything derogatory towards Ken because it's absolutely not. Hats off to Ken McElroy and thank you, Ken, if you ever listen to this episode, thank you for taking the time to put out this content uh, because you do a great job and you're definitely one of the people that inspired me uh, over the years and I'm sure you as well, Mike. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, it's, uh, I'm excited about this episode because Ken's not a mom and pop landlord. He's not a mom and pop investor, but he speaks to us. And so it's important that we understand where he comes from. And when he's talking about experiences in his life, they don't always directly correspond to the the smaller investors like us. You know, know, when I say smaller, I mean, we don't have a thousand apartments. We don't have a, you know, 2000 unit apartment building that's 22 stories. It's different world on that end. It is absolutely. And they're dealing with different players. In other words, Ken deals a lot with and spends time with investment bankers. And he talks about that here in the beginning of the video we're going to play. And investment bankers have a pulse on the institutional side of the real estate space. Now, folks like you and I, folks at home, and Mike, we don't deal with investment bankers by any stretch of the imagination to the degree that Ken does. But that doesn't mean the information that they put out doesn't apply to us either. It does apply to us. Understand mm-hmm. that because it does set the tone for the mood of the market. And like it or, lo- or hate it, real estate's an emotional game. And a lot of people say, I like real estate because it's not emotional. That's garbage. People say, oh, I like Ooh. commercial real estate because it's not emotionally driven. That's garbage. It's 100% emotionally driven. People say cryptocurrency is not driven by emotion. That is garbage. It is 100% driven by emotion because people... People make decisions based on the actions of others and onward and upward. And that's just how it plays out, right? Bitcoin, not to go down the rabbit hole, but when somebody, Bitcoin pricing and, and gold pricing is set and determined by the volume of trades, just like the stock market. A lot of folks don't realize that. So that's why we're doing this episode. And with that, I'm going to go ahead and press play. And then we're going to yes, listen to the audio, go on to YouTube, watch the video, give Ken a thumbs up. If you haven't subscribed to Ken's YouTube channel, it's Ken McElroy. It's M-C-E-L-R-O-I. Ken McElroy uh, is just search that on YouTube and it'll come up his his channel. And like I said, if you haven't taken the time to learn about Ken or read of his books, absolutely get you know Google search him, consume his content. He's a great author. He's he's done the ABCs of investing in real estate and property management and all these other good things. I've read every book he's ever put out, so I'm a big fan. Off we go. So today we're going to talk about why I don't think you should be buying real estate right now and even potentially in 2023. So I'm titling this one Pencils Down, Bro, because I was meeting with a couple of friends of mine and investment bankers, and I said, what are you guys doing right now? And they all said, pencils down. And what does that mean? Well, you remember when you were in school, at the end of a test, you would put the pencil down, that meant stop. So a lot of investment bankers and a lot of underwriters right now are settling down to watch to see what the market's going to do. And stick around because I got three things that I want you to watch. So reason number one... Before we get into reason number one, I want to just I want to touch on that, Mike, a little bit. When he says he's dealing with investment bankers, investment bankers are the ones that they kind of they bring the meat to the party. It's like if you're having a barbecue, a barbecue is great because you have a bunch of friends and you're sitting around talking. But if nobody shows up with any meat to throw in the grill, you never hear of a vegetarian barbecue, do you? 
<laughs> of course not, right? Someone's got to bring the, the cow. The watermelon. Yeah. That's right. Bring the pig, bring the cow, bring whatever, bring whatever protein you bring, and then we're going to do a barbecue. And the investment bankers are that, okay? That can mean Bank of America. It can mean BlackRock. It can mean all these big, huge financial institutions. What he's saying is his group of, of his circle of influence amongst the investment bankers are saying pencils down, which right out of the gate tells me they're nervous about investing in things for the short term. Now, short term can be interpreted many different ways. And he talks about that. You'll hear him say short term 2023 or 2022, long term 2023. So just to kind of put things into perspective, when he's saying long term, he's talking about 2023. He's not talking about 2024 or 25 or 26 or 27. So let's make sure we keep that in check. It's real easy to, with a video like this, to scan the headlines, but miss the meat at the barbecue. So let's, let's go ahead. Anything you want to add to that, Mike, before we push play? Yeah, just to further that. So when he says investment bankers, so let's say you go to, uh, you know, uh, ABC Town USA Bank, right? right? A small bank. When you get a mortgage from them, you've probably heard this before. They collect all the upfront fees and then they immediately sell the note, that mortgage. And they're selling that mortgage most likely to an investment banker That's correct. who wants all the interest and everything that you signed up for on that mortgage. So this is like big, big scale. Uh, the guys who are actually holding the real mortgages that are not actually in the small bank that you went to. And you should know that when these mortgages are then purchased, they are packaged up and they become MB, MBS, mortgage-backed securities, and then they're sold as securities on the stock market. Stock market exactly. Which is, <laughs> that's what a lot of what happened in the 08 financial crisis in the world is that one of the things that failed was bad paper in these mortgage-backed securities. So just, just kind of give you guys that, that background to make it clear. And with that, we'll go ahead and push play. For those of you who don't think so, prices are correcting in real estate, both in residential and in commercial. Most- He's right. And I'm and I want to, I'm gonna tangent a little bit on this because when people see in the news the sky is falling, prices are correcting. If you're a home seller, let's say you're you own a house in, I don't know, Chicago, and you would decide that you want to sell your house and buy a bigger one. Or maybe you want to sell your house and buy a smaller one. But bottom line is you need the equity out of your house to go do something else that you want to do. When you see this news come up, you immediately think, oh boy, I better hurry up and sell my house as quickly as possible so that I can get top dollar out of it before the market crashes. What happens is when two many people get that same sentiment, a lot of inventory comes onto the market. See, the last several years, prices have continued to rise in the real estate space because of the fact that there was very little inventory, but there was increased buying pressure. And the more, the fewer number of properties that go up for sale, coupled with people wanting to buy houses, COVID hit, people like, geez, I really want a shelter in place and I hate where I live, so I want to buy a better house. That increased demand drives prices up artificially. So what he's saying is when prices are falling, that a lot of that comes from, number one, interest rates have been increasing over the last year because the Fed finally woke up, realized that inflation was in fact not transitory. Who knew, Mike, <laughs> that it wasn't transitory? And they people decided that I can't Maybe I can't buy as much house as I used to. So what does that mean? If you could afford a three hundred fifty thousand dollar house in twenty twenty, well, at three and a half percent interest, you could afford a three hundred fifty thousand dollar house. But if interest rate is now four and a half, five and a half, six, seven percent, you can no longer afford a three hundred fifty thousand dollar house. Now you can afford a I don't know two hundred seventy five thousand dollar house because when a mortgage banker qualifies you for a mortgage or a mortgage broker or a lender qualifies you for a mortgage, they qualify you based on an affordability scale. Essentially, that's around forty percent of your income is the max some housing expense you can have, which includes taxes and insurance and all that stuff. So if your housing cost goes up because in 
interest rates go up, your buying power is diminished. When your buying power is diminished, fewer people want to buy or are are able to buy. So the guy that was house shopping for the $350,000 house can't buy that house anymore. Well, he doesn't want a $250,000 house. Hell, he's in a $250,000 house. So he comes off the buying market. And that, what happens is when that seller, Jimmy the home seller decides nobody shows up to the party when he wants to sell his house, he gets nervous because he the reason why he wanted to sell his house doesn't change, whether he wanted to move or maybe he got a job transfer, whatever. But now he's like, I still got to sell the house because I still got to do that thing. So that, therefore, I'm going to drop my price. And that is a big difference. That's a big part of why prices are falling. So we'll go ahead and get to go with that. Mostly what people watch are residential. And as you can see from this article, among the country's 400th biggest housing markets, 219 have already seen home values fall off their 2022 peak, which was in June of this year. Now, with that, he talks about the peak. And I'd like you guys to go watch this video, screen save, you know, hit that screen and take a look at it because that a lot of that's on the West Coast, not so much on the East Coast. Do you have something you want to add to that, Mike? This is great news. It's fantastic <laughs> the market, news. I'm the real excited. estate market is going down. That's perfect. That's right. As long as people keep thinking that, you and I make money. <laughs> Exactly. Prices are going down. Deals are coming. I want to go back to the the first 10 seconds of this video. Ken sets up where this information is coming from. Mm, yes. He sat down with his investment banker friends who are concerned. So just remember, as we go through this video, this is from potentially from the perspective of an investment banker, the banks of America that are relying on you paying your interest every month. Just keep that in mind that it's on the perspective of the other side. It's not on the perspective of Ken McElroy, who is who owns these properties, who is actually applying for these loans. It's for the bank. That's right. That's a very good point. Very good point. Let's go ahead and kick off with the next segment here. Commercial side, specifically multifamily, we are seeing up to 20% decreases in pricing from one year ago. So there should be no disputing that we have falling prices right now in most markets. And so a lot of you are going to be saying, well, in my market, prices are still going up and that might be true, but I'm going to show you why you might want to be careful into 2023. So let's first start with the facts and why I think you should have pencils down at the moment. So what's clear is the housing market is in a downturn. It peaked in June of 2022. This is the S&P Shiller U.S. Home Price Index, and that's reached over 318 points. And the National Association of Realtors, they're all saying, and we all know that the median house price has moved down in the United States. The major reason, of course, is the steady climb in mortgage interest rates fueled by the Federal Reserve's decision to raise multiple times across 2022. They've raised six times since March, and we barely tackled inflation, which is their highest priority. So, of course, rising mortgage rates equate to less interest from home buyers and greater pressure on sellers to reduce their prices. So right now, there's a huge difference between bid and ask, and that's what's happening at the moment. Let me expand on that one quick second. And the one thing you have to realize here, guys, because I, like I said in the beginning of this episode, I don't disagree with Ken. However, I do want to add, if the consumer sentiment is such that the prices are going down because of the insecurity in the marketplace, Great. Next question is, if you own a home right now, have you lost value in that home? If you own a multifamily apartment building, have you lost 
value in that home? My answer is no, you haven't unless you sold it at a discount. If you don't need to sell, then this doesn't necessarily apply to you. What do I mean by that? I invested through the last recession. I was in the game back in the old days in 2000, 2004, 2005, 2006, all that. A lot of times the market downturn had zero effect on me because I simply didn't sell when the market was down because I didn't need to. It's not that I was the smartest bulb in the box. I just didn't need to liquidate my assets. So those of you that own real estate right now, don't panic sell. I mean, if you want to call me if it's in Florida and I'll go ahead and take the commission to sell it for you, but don't panic sell based on this information because Ken's not saying run for the exits, the sky is falling, we're all going to die. He's saying maybe right now is not the time for you to pay retail for something. But the good news is, is when you hear stuff like this, know that everybody else around you is panicking. Stuff like this incites panic. That's good for you. If you are, if you have dry powder right now and you are a real estate buyer like we are, then this is great news. I love that Ken Cook puts out this content because it scares the living bejesus out of unsophisticated people. Beautiful. Because what happens is even in great markets, sellers get nervous. Realtors get nervous. The brokers get nervous. The wholesalers get nervous. Everybody starts discounting because of their perception of reality. Well, when they do that, their perception becomes reality. Any thoughts on that, Mike? You're absolutely correct. When you listen to this and you read the headlines, which is what's happening in this video, I know you can't see it, but Ken is posting a lot of Forbes headline, Time uh, Magazine headlines, all these major media headlines. Who sees this? Your competition. 100%. 100%. Your competition who doesn't have the same education as you. Now, Tyler, I know a little, a few minutes ago, you alluded to the fact that when you buy something, if it cash flows positive, I don't care if the rate goes high the rate goes low. Case in point, at the top of the market eight months ago, Tyler, you were telling me that you actually had a potential buyer for your fourplex on Lemon Street. That's correct. And you laughed. I did. How much was that offer and why did you say no? $1.2 million. And the re- um, by the way, I paid two hundred and fifteen or 220000 for it in 2015. So there's a nice upside for you, huh? The reason why I said no is that last month, my net takeaway from that four unit property that's currently operated as a short-term rental netted me $16,000 net. I can't replace $16,000 net in today's investment environment with $1.2 million. I can't do it. So of course I'm not going to sell it because I enjoy that cash flow every month. I enjoy being taxed at a different rate because of how I earn my income. I enjoy the so tax write offs and benefits from that. So would you say that you used your energy all these years to multiply the cash flow? So when somebody offers you over a million dollars, you have enough cash flow from all that effort to say, no. Yeah, because I don't need the I'm million dollars. The way it is. That's right. I don't need the million dollars. I need the $16,000 a month or whatever it spills off every month. It changes from season, but I need that predictable stream of income coming in. That's what I need. That's right. And now we're on the opposite side. So no matter what happens next year in 2023, Tyler's still getting a $16,000 a month. That's right. Do, do you even blink an eye? Do you, do you even go on Zillow or get it reappraised to cry over? No, absolutely not. I don't I don't care because the value doesn't mean anything to me until the closing day. Exactly. And right. I don't really plan on selling it. So <laughs> Yeah. And and I keep going to this fact of the whole perspective of the video because I think that's so important when you understand the perspective from an investment banker. Potentially their fear in all this from the investment banker is that they're 
the value of their collateral is decreasing. It is. Which and means- understand that these transactions are cyclical in nature. In other words, when you go out and buy a big apartment building or an office complex, you're not going to hang on to that for 40 years. You're going to hang on to that for a cycle, five, six, seven years, 10 years, whatever. You're going to do your value add. Then you're going to recapitalize. You're going to take a tax-free payday because you don't pay taxes on borrowed money. And then you're going to dispose of the asset five to seven, 10 years. Whenever it becomes obsolete, you've depreciated the hell out of it. Then you're going to get out of it and move into something else. That's what investment bankers do. And that's what companies like Ken's company does. They buy properties, they value add them, they hang on to them for a period of time and they dispose them. But the people that don't dispose, this doesn't necessarily apply to you. Exactly. So what you're saying really is now the banker's risk is actually going up, but the risk to the investors doesn't change. Correct. Not necessarily because it really depends on you. They can't say that on a broad spectrum because it's very much an it depends. It really depends on what you're going to do. Correct. So if you get a fixed rate mortgage right now and it's cash flowing, your risk is fairly low with the banker. It doesn't, doesn't, the banker doesn't know when you're going to sell and the banker doesn't know when it's going to sell its mortgage backed securities. That's right. So their world is different from our world. If you have an asset, let's say you find a 50 door building and you buy that at such a crazy price that you can get a, I don't know, I'm going to pull it out of the sky, 30% cash on cash return. And don't tell me those deals are not possible because I've done them personally. That type of investment, do you need to sell it in five years? If the answer is no, then just hang on to it. What does the value matter to you in five years if you don't plan on selling it? Now, if you are in a syndicate or you've got a a balloon payment or something like that where you need to do something in five years, then 100% I agree. You should be concerned because you may not be able to exit. Like Ken said, if you're going to do something in 2023, Maybe now is not the time to acquire if you're going to hold for short term. If you're going to have to dump this thing in, in a year, then yeah, you might want to pump the brakes. Maybe you would want to look at a syndicate to invest in instead where you get more buying power, where they're better at negotiating than you are. They have more opportunities. They got people out in the field, more deal opportunities. These things make more sense. Let's go ahead and kick off in this next segment here. Rising borrowing costs, of course, reflect slower sales, which of course, reflect housing prices. And as you can see from Zillow, Redfin, and all the people who are reporting, there's thousands and thousands of deals that were called off nationally in various months as a result of all of this happening. So why is all this happening? It's happening because of the higher borrowing costs. As you know, the higher the borrowing costs, the less the cash flow. And I'm specifically talking about investment real estate. So if you're using borrowed money to buy investment real estate, one of the factors facing everyone right now is what is the cost of borrowing today and what is it going to be in 2023? What we're experiencing right now is there's a big lag between what the seller is going to sell for and what the buyer is willing to pay. So these rising mortgage rates equate to less interest from the home buyers and greater pressure on the seller to reduce prices. So that's what's happening now because those same houses cost the buyer more because their mortgage payment is more. Higher borrowing costs affect cash flow negatively, which make the buyer offer less to the seller. So that's what's happening right now. And there's a lag right now between the sellers and the buyers on the bid and the ask. So there should be no question that the reason that sales are down in real estate and they have been down over the last six months is a result of these higher borrowing costs. As the Federal Chair Powell has indicated and as the Federal Reserve has indicated, we're going to see another increase here in December, which could potentially drive prices even lower. As you can see from the detail here, Federal Reserve Powell confirmed just last Wednesday that the smaller real estate increases are likely ahead and could start in December 
and that's where we are today. But he cautioned that the policy is, is likely to stay restrictive for some time until real signs of progress emerge on inflation. And that's what we're going to talk about next. So here's what I believe is going to happen in 2023. I believe now, before we get into that, uh, Fed Powell, Fed Chair Powell came out as of yesterday, and that would be Wednesday, the 14th of December, and said that, in fact, they're going to do a half a percent rate increase and that they continue, they expect to continue rate increases at least until spring at 2023 and possibly into the rest of 2023 into 2024, continuing to raise rates. Several people are saying, economists and whatnot, and I would tend to agree, that as this, everything they do now doesn't actually kick in and take effect for several months to maybe even a year or two down the road. What may happen here, and the one thing we know to always be true is that the Fed is wrong a lot. They have a group of economists that are consistently wrong. If you look at their their ability to be right over a, over a period of time, say 20 years, it's off the charts how inaccurate they are. And we've been printing money for the last 20, 30 years, and it really kicked off in 2020 when COVID kicked in. We're paying for debts today and 20 years from now that we're in that were by, by based on writing bad checks for the last several years. That can create a whole host of issue issues all in itself. The bottom line is what they are saying though is that if things correct, or he, he did say in his speech yesterday, I'm talking about Chairman Powell, that after 2023, they're going to start easing, which means they're going to start dropping rates. So what that means is when they drop, that's when property values, when confidence changes, everybody feels like they're rich again and they start going crazy and we get, we, we're going to, we, one thing you can count on is that every seven to 10 years, we go through expansion, contraction, expansion, contraction. Now, if this becomes the fact, we don't know because again, they say one thing and do another. If they start easing in 2024, that means property values are going to start screaming up again because confidence is going to be up again. So imagine if you buy right now at a great deal because the seller is scared to death that the market's going to crash. You take two years of stagnant price increases and then add price increases in year three. Well, now you're set up for a home run deal. Now I understand what Ken's talking about is on a macro level, on a big on the big screen, but on a small screen, if you've got an unsophisticated seller who's watching the local Fox News or CNN channel, he's going, the sky is falling. I should sell my property at a discount. Well, capitalize on that discount. Capitalize on that opportunity. Maybe now's the time to talk about seller financing. Maybe because, you know, you can lock in the rate, whatever. You can always refi when the rates go down. Hey, Mr. Seller, I can't give you, I, I can give you your price or I can give you this later or figure something out. But this is the time where you're going to have a captive audience as far as that seller wants to get out from underneath that asset. Good, let them. Help him get out from the asset. Keep your powder yeah. dry. Get in a position. Get ready to buy. Any thoughts on that, Mike? Absolutely. So Ken was talking about here the cost of borrowing is going up, and then he said that leads to lower cash flow. That also brings the prices of real estate down. Like you mentioned, Tyler, the deals are here. The prices are coming down. The problem is the cash flow doesn't work when you're dealing with institutional lenders. So how did it get around that? Buy with cash. Right. I know what you're saying. I don't have enough money in my savings account to buy a house. Hey, neither do I. Tyler, let's go through some ways that anybody, the small town investment guy can buy properties at a major discount with cash and now he can cash roll. So I'll start out. So like first one is we mentioned this is syndications. So right. syndications is where many people contribute some money to a major fund. And then the manager of that fund who has the negotiation abilities, the marketing abilities to go out there and buy property. And now everybody gets to enjoy the income, the cash flow from that. So that's one way of buying cat with cash. Now, like I mentioned, you're buying cash for a super discounted rate right now. So it's super hot. Uh, another one is JVing. Yep. So what, what if me and, hey, Tyler, 
If we combine our resources and we're both on the title to the house, now we can buy something. That's right. That's buying cash. One of the uh, fastest ways, one? guys, I can tell you, I'm going to add to that right now, is to go down, go in your local Yellow Pages or Google search your zip code and the letters SDIRA, self-directed yeah. IRA. Because the self-directed IRA holder right now is probably sitting there on the fence wondering what they should do with the cash sitting in their self-directed IRA. Well, if they're wondering, geez, I'm afraid to invest right now because I might lose money, the refreshing thing you can share with them that is 100% true, that if they have cash sitting in a self-directed IRA right now, and we are in a record-breaking inflationary environment, you can guarantee them unequivocally they are losing money at a pace of around, oh, I don't know, 7.3%, which means if you can show them an investment opportunity that would yield higher than 7.3%, they can main, at least maintain, if not improve, that pile of cash sitting there. What do I mean by that? So let's say you've got 50K of your own cash sitting in a bank account somewhere. You go to Timmy Tulips, who happens to have a self-directed IRA, and he's got 50 grand set in his self-directed IRA. He takes his, his 50 grand and the two of you combine that, those resources and buy a home together. And then you rent that home to somebody else. The profits then would spill back on whatever percentages you figure out, 50, 50, whatever it may be, back to the IRA and back to you. Or you could bring him in as what they call a debt partner, which means you could say, Hey, Timmy Tulips, I would like to borrow that money from you at a rate of, I don't know, 8%. You're thinking, Tyler, I'm not going to pay somebody 8%, 8% interest, 10% interest. That's hard money rates. Ah, but it's put the deal together. So if you give Timmy Tulips 8%, let's say now for the next three years, you can't pay retail and still cash flow, right? Correct. But right now, everybody's losing their friggin' mind saying the sky is falling, the market's going to crash. If you have a seller on the hook and you can buy a wedge deal, like me, Kevin says of, I don't know, 20, 30, 40% under market value because of the fear and the, the blood in the water, then maybe that makes sense. And how do you know that is you pencil that out. So underwrite that deal for say, I don't know, seven to 10 years to be crazy conservative, underwrite the deal with a seven or a 10 year exit at 8% and ask yourself, does the deal make money? And if it doesn't simply don't do the deal. But if it does, now we have a different conversation. That's where an it depends comes into play. Any thoughts on that, Mike? Yeah. And just kind of to build on that, Hey, you might be thinking, I don't know anybody who's who understands how to invest their IRA like that. If you have a self-directed IRA, that IRA can go out and buy something cash. If Tyler has a self-directed IRA, I have a self-directed IRA. My other friend has a self-directed IRA. We can combine all of those. That's right. So it's not like you have to go out there and find somebody sophisticated enough to understand that they can get an interest off of you. Hey, if you've got a bunch of like-minded people, either with cash the bank or an IRA, you can go in and be cash buyers and get a major discount right now. That's right. And just to clarify what he means by combine those, it means combine the the the, the money. Like everybody writes a check for 50 grand into an LLC that's equally owned by the three partners in that example, if we had three partners and he didn't, he's not suggesting you combine the IRAs because that becomes a mess, but oh, taking yeah, the capital yeah. and then combine that capital together and then together as a team, go out and do it. Essentially, that's what we're doing. Like we have the fund, for example, we went out and bought our property over in Tarpon Springs. We bought it significantly below market value. We just got the appraisal back the other day and oh my God, do we have a lot of equity. Oh. <laughs> so if the market takes a toilet takes a, a swim in the toilet. That's cool because we have so much equity baked into this deal right now. It really wouldn't matter. And time heals all wounds. Now with us, we're going to change the exit strategy such that it, we're not subject to 
market conditions because we're not going to flip the house. We're going to keep it. We're going to change the use. More details on that later. We got that coming for you in the future. But one of the strategies that we've investigated that's very interesting is assisted living facilities. There's such a thing called the silver tsunami, which is a, think of it like a tidal wave of folks, with of older folks that are at the point to where they need some help with everyday activities. That is the key word for that is assisted living. It's a very interesting uh, way of doing things. And it's a way you can take a single family house or a small multifamily property, work within the zoning, work within local code and repurpose that into something different. That is, by the way, permissible in almost every market in the country where you could take a property that normally rent for a couple thousand dollars a month and rent it for thousands and thousands of dollars a month, either to an operator, somebody that has an existing assisted living business, or you could do it yourself. Those are all different options available to you. So if you want more details on that, we're going to have some more podcast coming up on that and probably some YouTube videos on that topic as well. But that's just a, one example of what you can do. Co-living, we talked about a few episodes ago. My co-living is another one, which is basically the same as an assisted living, just without the assisted part. Uh, it's for anybody. It's maybe a bunch of young guy, young Gen Y, Z, whatever they are these days, young folks that want to get together and you got common areas and kind of think college dorm. That's another strategy that's different, but very ap- applicable in times like this. So yeah. So, so the flags are coming up. Ken's talking about right now that the prices will be going down because interest rates going up. However, rent is still increasing. There's still shortages of housing. And as you kind of alluded to, Tyler, when you look at the other end of the spectrum, assisted living facilities, there I'll tell you right now, we're going to talk about it more later, but there is an extreme shortage That's of right. assisted living facilities. So That's right. the, the income potential is going up. Prices are going down. There's a lot of stuff we, that we want to cover in this episode, guys. And, and I would, normally I, I would just continue and blast through all of it, but I think we've got probably two episodes worth of content. So I think what makes sense is that we'll go ahead and we're going to wrap this episode up up here. We're going to pick up with next week's episode. We're really going to get into the meat and potatoes. And this is really where it gets sexy. We're going to be talking about commenting on what Ken says about the interest rates in 2023, how that makes sense and how we can, more importantly, how you can use this data. This is my takeaway, boys and girls. You take data like this and take it at face value, but think to yourself, how can I use this data? How Ken is clearly somebody smarter than me. How can I take the data that Ken has put together and compiled for me, use it to make more money, use it to grow, use it to supercharge what I'm going to do in 2023. And that's what you're supposed to be taking away from these videos. These videos that Ken puts out is not for you to sit on the sidelines and panic. He's out there doing good work to help people like you and I take this data, learn from it, and then how go use it in the marketplace to capitalize ourselves. Guys, I hope you have a great week. I hope you took something away from this episode and know that we'll be back next week with more great topics from this video. See you next time. This concludes today's episode. You don't have to wait till the next episode to learn to earn. Head over to CashflowGuys.com and contact Tyler and his team for more powerful tips and ideas so you can start generating multiple streams of income and escape the rat race.